Today on I Am Salt Lake Podcast, we sit down with local Salt Lake City mentor and coach, Lynn Christian. This is an awesome conversation that we have with Lynn, where we get to find out what inspired her to get into coaching, what motivated her to start Soul Salt, and of course, we talk actions that we could take as individuals to make our lives just a little bit better in 2020. All right, Chrissy, let's welcome everybody out to the show today. Welcome to episode 415. My name is Chris Hollifield. And my name's Chrissy Hollifield. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, you might be wondering what it's all about. Well, this show is all about showcasing awesome people in Salt Lake City, Utah. We get to talk to business owners, comedians, authors, tattoo artists, restaurant owners, breweries, distilleries, really anyone who might have a cool story to share. Hey, before we get into that conversation with Lynn Christian, I want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast and whatever app you're listening to this in right now so you don't miss a single episode. It's really easy. All the episodes will get sent right to your podcast app and that way you don't miss a single episode and you can find all of that information at IamSaltLake.com. All right, here's that conversation with Lynn Christian. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy. You know, Lynn, I know you've listened to a lot of the podcasts and I don't know if you've ever heard us start it off this way. What did your childhood smell like? So I have to ask you, I have heard you start it uh-huh. this way. What season? That's actually a good mm-hmm. answer. I, I, uh, I usually throw people off because they're like, I've never been asked that. And I guess whatever season maybe you're most, you were most fond of, I guess. I'll go around the clock. How's that? No, that In works. the fall, it was that musty smell of, because uh, I always loved getting out and playing football with the boys and it'd be rolling in the leaves and the grass as it's, as it's starting to go and hibernate. So there's this musty start to decay smell. And in the winter, uh, and I grew up in Heber City, so it was going out and having your nostrils stick together because it was cold and it just, it smelt frosty. And in the spring, it was that scent of the soil coming awake again and a very organic uh, earthworm kind of smell. And in the summer, there's just this fresh air and a cool breeze that smelled like it, it smelled like one part water, one part grass growing, horse leather, because I was out riding my horse a lot. So I have a lot of different smells that I associate with my childhood. But that's awesome. I mean, a lot of people all ask this and they have to think for a moment. And I was like, Lynn's going to have an amazing answer because you you understand it, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. You seem like the type so, of person. So descriptive. I feel like I could actually, I knew exactly what smells you were. You've had those smells. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was really cool. It's interesting how like a smell will take us back to a time, right? It will. Like it, whether it's a good time, a bad time. Isn't it? It's the strongest sense, right? That triggers memory. I, smell. I don't know. I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard I, that. I, I haven't seen the science behind it, but I have heard people refer to science as saying smell's going to take you back. Yeah. So, so you grew up in Utah. Sounds like you grew I up did. in Heber. In you were Heber. mentioning in Heber. Wasatch County. Did you like growing up out there? I loved growing up there to a point. I was able to, uh, you know, after I grew up for a while, I was ready to get out and get to something a little more city oriented, a little, a little more, more urban, a little more progressive. But growing up, I had a lot of freedom. I could get on my bike and ride for miles. But what I really loved to do was get my chores done and then 
ride my bike about four blocks west to a piece of property my father was renting that had a barn and some stables and I had a pony. And I could saddle up my pony and take off for the rest of the day. And my mother never worried about me. Uh, there wasn't a cell phone. I was just gone. There and wasn't I, Facebook, right? There wasn't Facebook. <laughs> there was no po- posting a picture. I was just in freedom. And to me, that's one of the things that I enjoyed the most growing up was this small town. People knew who I was. I knew who they were. And I could just have a lot of freedom. Do you still have family out there? Uh, my father just passed away last year. My mother just before that. So no one that I'm actually closely related to. I have cousins that okay. still live in Heber. Just curious if you yeah. ever make it back out there. And, and no, uh, a year ago was my last time up there for my father's funeral. Okay. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. It is. It's getting overcrowded now, uh, in my opinion. And the smog coming up through the canyons are, oh, yeah. you know, it's invaded by that. But it's still a beautiful city, and just looking at Mount Timpanogos uh, over the Deer Creek Reservoir is uh, just enchanting. And yeah, I have so many fond memories. I just would not raise my children there because I wanted them to have what I didn't have, which was an expanded experience with a lot of different people. And it may be, uh, it is definitely different than when I grew up in the 60s and 70s there. Yeah. However, it's still small town, small-minded to some degree. Do you think it's helpful? This, this is yeah, kind of an interesting direction. I, I never really thought about taking the show this way, but I've always struggled. Like growing up, my mom wanted to move out into the country. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like that would hold me back as an individual. Do you think that it matters where you live to hold? Do you I think- do think it matters because I feel like the education that you get uh-huh. is one thing and exposure. For instance, I wanted my children when I moved to Salt Lake, I wanted my kids to go to East High okay. because at the time there was a lot of diversity and there was inclusion. And as uh, a gay parent, I wanted my kids to not be struggling with too much pressure to you know, talk about their mother and explain what was going on there. I really wanted them to have an expanded version of we have different languages and we have different colors of skin and we have different backgrounds. Yeah. And we eat different things from time to time. And so it was really nice to have that opportunity for my children. I do think smaller towns sometimes there's just it's pros and cons and it depends upon what you want. With kids, uh, I mean, it might be great in grade school to get a good education as you get into high school. Now, I, you know, I think there are a lot of progressive schools. I think Wasatch High has really shown some spunk in having some good teachers. They're, they have a lot of teachers coming up from Salt Lake. Uh, so I don't want to put anyone down. I'm just simply saying for me, I wanted to raise my kids in a bigger city. No, and I absolutely agree. I think you have a bigger opportunity of who you can be friends with mm-hmm. versus I was always afraid. It was like, well, I'm not going to have my selection. I, I'm going to have to you know, hang out with kids that are doing right. things that I don't right. agree with or and, that and I don't want to be around. You don't have to travel. Yeah. You know, the canyons, that's one thing that happened when you lived in Heber was uh, someone I went to high school. His mother was killed. Well, two people killed in Provo Canyon in some car accidents and other people in Parley's. We have some pretty dangerous can- canyons. And so I also didn't want my kids to have to travel through these, you know, treacherous byways and highways just to go to a concert. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to be exposed to that stuff. So that's awesome. I was just curious. I was yeah. curious. Let's fast forward a little bit because I want to talk about you're currently a coach 
Is that what, is that what you would call yourself a coach? I am a coach. I'm highly certified. I'm one of those people that 20 years ago heard that word and wondered what that was and hired one and fell in love with the personal growth that this particular coach exhibited. Uh And I thought, I want that kind of growth. I want to expand myself. So I went to school. Um, I was working at Franklin Covey. And uh, in the evenings and on my lunch hour and before work, I would take online courses. So I am a certified coach. I have an MCC, which is, there are about 6,000 of us in the in the uh, world who have a master wow. certified coach uh, credential. And you have to jump through a lot of hoops, take tests, um, have people listen to your coaching. And then to stay with that certification, you have to continue growing and learning and stretching yourself and proving your merit. I also uh, went to Australia and studied with Grant Suzalu and Martin Oka and learned multiple brain integration techniques, so some neuroscience, most recently certified with Judith E. Glaser in conversational intelligence. I used to have a project management certification. So I have these certifications, um, even studied with Marshall Goldsmith to learn executive coaching. So I'm one of those people that may be rare in that I didn't come by it because I put a shingle out. I actually took the training, and as part of your training, you need to have some experience with clients. And so I found out I really liked it, and I just kept doing it as a part-time gig and realized I really want to have my own office. I want to do this with other people, and eventually left corporate America to do that. So we have to be cautious because here in Salt Lake in Utah, in particular, Utah Business Magazine did an article on this. But we have a lot of scams and Mm. people put down a lot of money. They go through training and there really isn't a certifiable entity that they've they've learned from. And so they're paying a lot of money and they may or may not make it because it's very competitive. I mean, you need to spend 20%, 20% of your time marketing if you're going to be an independent coach. There is an advantage today, though, because there are companies that hire corporate coaches and there are coaching companies that hire graduates and people who have some certifications. So there's a better market for it than when I started in 98. However, um, buyer beware when you're going out for coach training schools or buyer beware when you're hiring a coach. So why would somebody hire you? Like what would be like would it, like a specialty, yeah. right? Because coaches yeah. tend to specialize. We tend to specialize. Yes. If we're if over time we get really good at something, yeah. that's really the smart thing to do. Uh, like you, you've you specialized in your podcast toward a certain strand that you, of conversation, and so we get better when we can start to specialize. So. I work with the entrepreneurial, innovative, uh, creative folks. A lot of them want to reinvent their working identity or reinvent how they make a contribution. So that's career reinvention. And I work with entrepreneurs who are keeping their head in the game. They want to earn a living, live their lives by doing what inspires them. So they need to know how do I do that. And the common thread is human innovation. If you're innovating, meaning taking who you are and doing something different with that, that's really my jam. Which that seems like it's probably one of the hardest things to coach people through, because I feel like reinventing yourself and really sticking to it, and it's very uncomfortable. It is. Like, it feels like you spend most of your time pushing people out of their comfort zone. <laughs> I do. And like, I mean, how how is that? Do you get a lot of kickback, or is it, you know, like, mm. what's the experience with people who, is anyone resistant to it? Well, so if they are, they usually don't hire me. 
That makes and, sense. You know, and we do uh, we do a free discovery call or a free discovery visit to try to vet each other because they're going to hire me and I need to hire them if mm-hmm. we're going to work together. You're right, Chrissy. I mean, think about it. If you're going to turn your world upside down and do something new, and you guys did that to start a podcast, you know that there's ambiguity, which is frightening. You know that there's this dream and it's very vulnerable because you're not sure if you can make it. So there's fear and there's the unknown and it's frightening. And I have a tolerance for that because I've reinvented so many times. And I also know the research. I've studied it. I stay current with it. I've used it for myself. I've used it with other people. And I know there's a system for supporting people to get through it. So I like to look at it as they can nestle in and know I've got them. I'm going to support you. You have to do the hard work. However, you can do this. And a lot of it is keeping their head in the game, keeping their nerve, handling the conversations with people. You know, it's unnerving to go into a party and people are saying, well, what are you doing? And it's like, well, I'm reinventing. It makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Because it seems like, oh, you know, I'm just in between jobs or, you know, Mm -hmm. it it can be taken the wrong way Mm -hmm. if if people don't understand. Right. And our gut senses that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we have five hundred million neurons in our enteric or gut brain. And we're having a conversation with somebody and they're in between jobs. And we're like, oh, oh. You're like, ooh, that means you're not good at anything. <laughs> or, or you're Just vulnerable or what you know? happened or why is, it, oh, I'm uncomfortable because if that happened to me, I don't know how I'd handle it. Right. So, yeah, we get this cybernetic loop with other people and it's kind of like Debbie Downer just threw a brick into the conversation <laughs> because yeah. I don't know what to do with you. You're reinventing. What is that? That scares me. Yeah. Well, it's such a big word. You know, for some people, it's like, what it is. And it, it's so easy, human nature. We like to settle in our little box and we like mm-hmm. to stay there because we know what mm-hmm. we're doing. And if someone else comes who's not like us, it's like, whoa, whoa, I don't understand. Like, right. you know, it's it's this weird thing where we're not really super open by nature to mm-hmm. different experiences and understanding yeah. different people with different experiences. That's really well said. And we were trained. I mean, at least I was. I remember growing up where it was like you go to high school, then you graduate, then you go to college, then you get a job that you work for the next 40, 50, 60 years or whatever until you <laughs> then die. You get a pension, right? And that's still the thing. No, and it was frowned upon if yeah. you switched jobs. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It was. Well, absolutely. We, you know, and if you look at the history of business, those of us who are talking at this table, yeah. we know that there are people who did that. But that's a kind of a big lie now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's not how it worked way back before that phenomenon was occurring, nor is it happening now. Yeah, uh, We get this notion, go to school, get a degree, use that degree. And if I could show you the statistics, most people, let's say somebody who went through psychology, get a degree in psychology, you'd think, okay, so they have a a practice where they see patients. Oh, I know of a psychologist who is now creating political cartoons. Yeah. You know, or, you know in my yes. job, design uh, UX design, psychology is one of the, like, if we could get psychologists to come in and be UX designers, it would make a phenomenal difference in our, in our world. See? Like, yes. I, I want more. Bring it. But, Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> come on, somebody, quick. Think outside the box a little <laughs> bit here, right? Yeah, right. You can, you can attribute, you can take the talents that you develop and put them in other arenas of life. You can. And you know what's interesting in the reinventions work that I do? Let's say somebody's an attorney, someone who's highly educated. They went through this this protocol and then they graduated and then they passed their test. Sometimes it's harder to get an, an attorney to reinvent 
because their brain has now, the neurons have fired and wired together about what they do day to day. And it's harder for them to see outside of the law box, yeah. per se. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Market Source Real Estate. Hey, if you love the charm and you love the character of old homes, you really need to contact our friends at Market Source Real Estate. They actually helped us find our home that we're recording this podcast in right now. And did you know that for the past 18 years, they have been specializing in helping people buy and sell homes in Sugar House in the greater Salt Lake area? With a background of flipping houses and owning over two dozen homes themselves, they really know all the ins and outs of older homes. And if you're looking to sell your home, Market Source Real Estate specializes in helping sellers update or repair their homes to increase their value and help make sellers more money. I know there's a lot of listeners. You guys are looking to move to Salt Lake City. Maybe you're looking to move across town in Salt Lake City. This is where you need to contact our friends at Market Source Real Estate. They know what to look for in older homes. They know what to look for in newer homes so you don't end up buying a money pit. You can find all of their info right on their website, thinksaltlakecity.com. That's really easy to remember, you guys, thinksaltlakecity.com. Or give them a call, 801-810-6773. And many thanks to Market Source Real Estate for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. What do you do when uh, one of your clients or someone around you goes through a failure? Like, how, mm-hmm. how do you help them understand that that is not actually a failure. It's more of a stepping stone to find your direction. Yeah, that's a great question. So what we look at is we look at taking risks and less about failing and more about being in discovery and experimenting. So one of the constructs that we'll go through is discovery is stronger than knowing. And so if you have that mindset, the growth mindset that Dweck talks a lot about, she's done her research on. That's the premise we come from. So if something didn't work, I actually had one client I thought was so clever. She actually had a spreadsheet where she watched for her fails. And we even had a bulletin board in our office where we watched for our fails because we knew if we had check marks over there, we were doing what we needed to do and we would find the right answers eventually. But if we weren't getting any failure marks, we weren't progressing. Yeah. It's a reframe, a redirect, a refocus. Sometimes we do need to learn some things. Like sometimes you get your butt handed to you. You get kicked right back there and you go, Mm -hmm. oh, didn't know that was going to hurt like that. And sometimes you need that because you're in the middle. You know, you have these peaks and we have troughs. And if you fail at the bottom of a trough, sometimes that kicks your butt to have another peak and come out of the trough. So... Sometimes it's okay to call it a fail and see what it's telling you. Yeah. So, you know, looking at it realistically instead of judgmentally, being curious about it. We asked, uh, well, we mentioned that you were going to be coming on the podcast in our Facebook group. Did you group. ask people questions? Well, a couple <laughs> of people have some questions for you. Okay. Uh, I think you're in our Facebook group, aren't you? I am. I'm not sure. I am Salt Lake Community, which we invite everybody to join. And do join. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's fun. You know, and I, I've, tried, I've tried to get some more interaction. I like to throw out who's on you coming on if right. people have questions. We have a listener, Joyce. Uh, she has a few questions here, and I kind of figured that they could kind of be good questions to the yeah. questions I'd probably ask anyway. But her first question here for you is, how does she feel about the ICF and its process of credentialing? So I did go through the ICF. Which stands for International International Coach Federation. Ah. It's one of the oldest uh, longstanding bodies that's working to become a governing body. Okay. 
I'm going to say it's not 100% necessary that your coaching be certified through them. However, they are the leader right now internationally in setting the standard. Their code of ethics, I find, is extremely astute. I believe that their core competencies make good coaches. I had a painful experience getting passed through the ICF because at the time, I was creating a coach training school at Franklin Covey in their coaching department. And Thomas Leonard was still alive. He was kind of the father of life coaching here. And he had sold Coach U. And, and there, was, there was a tug of war going on back then. And they were a little worried that Franklin Covey was eyeing the ICF and trying to get me master certified so they could kind of bulldoze over the ICF. And they made it hard for me to pass. They made it very hard for me to pass. And so... It was, it was kind of painful, and I still respect the International Coach Federation. There are people like one of my mentors, Marshall Goldsmith. He was never certified by the ICF. I don't think he's ever been certified as a coach. He he's was, just really good, huh? Yeah, he was a great consultant. He's yeah. really good with executives. He knows how to market himself. He's smart, just a wicked smart dude, and he'll never slow down long enough to get certified by anyone. But if you're starting out, that's a good place to start and to look for a school that has the ICF emblem. But there are other institutions. And again, if you're really, really good at what you do, Brene Brown, she has a coach training school. She should not be spending her time getting certified by the ICF. Maybe her coaches do. I don't know. But she knows her stuff. She's She has the science down, the sociology down, the research She's somebody that shouldn't have to ever go get certified to coach somebody. She already has street cred. Mm -hmm. But I think it might be important maybe for beginning coaches. A beginning coach Mm -hmm. should really look at a structure that can nurture them and teach them the things they need to know. Um, That code of ethics and the core competencies are necessary in my book. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Libsyn. You know, I know we have a lot of listeners listening right now, and you are thinking of starting your very own podcast. How do I know? It's because you're emailing me. You're asking, Chris, how do I start a podcast? Give me some tips. Give me some tricks. Well, if you or someone you know, if you're in the process of starting a podcast and you are looking for truly the best podcast audio host out there, go check out Libsyn.com. We've been using Libsyn to host I Am Salt Lake podcast for over seven years now, and I know that I truly could not be more happy with their service. They make it super easy to set up, and they make it super easy to get your podcast routed to all the podcast players out there like Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts. I Am Salt Lake podcast listeners, listen up. We created a promo code just for you to use, Salt Lake. If you use this promo code at checkout at Libsyn.com, you'll get the rest of this month and all of next month a free podcast audio hosting at Libsyn.com. That's spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, Libsyn.com. Use that promo code SALTLAKE, all one word, and you'll get the rest of this month and all of next month a free podcast audio hosting. Go check it out. I think you'll like it. And you're going to send me an email and say, Chris, thanks for the tip. Thanks for the suggestion. And many thanks to Libsyn for their support of this podcast. The next question here from Joyce is, uh, does she think a coach needs to be certified by some school? I guess you kind of already answered that one. I think you do need to go through some formal training. And I actually have one. We could probably link it into the show notes. So I get these questions 
all the time. And I used to spend time with each individual that asked it. And then we looked at how many hours I was giving away for free and decided, you know what? Every once in a while, let's just record what the latest thinking is inside my head and someone who's going through that. And so we just did an interview with one of my clients who was looking for coach training. And uh, we can link that in the show notes. We have it out on our Soul Salt Coaching, all one word, YouTube channel. Okay. And they can can listen to that. Yeah, I'll put that at I Am Salt Lake with this episode as well. Good questions, Joyce. Uh, the next question from Joyce is how has the coaching industry changed from 20 plus years ago? Oh man, so much. Now, do you know Joyce? I don't know okay. Joyce. It sounds like maybe you guys knew each other. That's why I was like, well, well maybe, she, maybe we have. She I has don't some know. good questions. I, she here. has really good questions. <laughs> yeah. So when it first started out, uh, it wasn't highly organized and now it is better organized. There weren't companies hiring coaches. Now we have, like, I'm I'm going to be taking a course in January from one of Google's head coaches. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, we have corporations now who have coaches. We have AI that's doing coaching and, and even therapy. You know, AI is doing therapy and sometimes they're doing better than a human being. So it's really evolved into something that is a broader application. Like when I was traveling way back when I first started, I'd be on a plane, maybe going somewhere to do some training for Franklin Covey. And somebody next to me would say, so what do you do? And I would say, I'm a coach. And they'd look at me and they'd go, soccer or gymnastics? (laughs) (laughs) So here's a difference, Joyce. Now, when I say I'm a coach, they go, oh, tell me more. What kind of coaching do you do? And so there's a better understanding of what it is. The market isn't um, curious as as curious about what it is now. It kind of knows what it is and more people have experienced it. It's actually a better time to enter into coaching now than it was 20 years ago. Interesting. Can, can I ask a question about coaching now, though? Yeah, you go ahead and okay. I'll go back and then to Joyce we'll go here back in a to minute. Joyce in a minute. Sorry, yeah, Joyce. No, no, you're fine. I, I'm curious, like, I feel like... Recently, the last, I don't know, five or 10 years, it's been easier for people to just say they're coaches. Yes. And how do you decide whether or not someone is worth going to as a client? As a client. Okay. So number one, I would get referrals from other people who've been through. If, If they don't have credentials and you can't get on their site and see that. If you are not having your awareness go up. Like if, mm-hmm. if if they're not, they're not supporting you to raise your awareness and then asking you what you might want to do with that new awareness, if they're just talking to you for an hour, that's not okay. So okay. that's the hallmark of a good coach. Your awareness increases, it raises, and on the, the rise of that awareness, there is also the ability or the knowledge that you could do something better or even more than what you've done in the past. How's that? And, you know, there are some distinctions. Mm -hmm. It's different than consulting. We're not giving answers per se, although we can stop and give advice. We're not supposed to just be teaching you and training you, although we might stop and teach you a concept and then ask you now, what do you want to do with that? We're not a therapist. We don't help you heal from the past, although there are some good therapists that are blending coaching with that. We're not your mentor. We're not showing you how to do things like we did, although we might pause and give you some of that information. Right. So those are some distinctions to kind of understand also what is coaching and what is not coaching. And then she wants to know, do you think that the uh, coaching industry needs to be regulated? And if so, why? You've kind of mm, maybe yeah, kind of danced around bit. it, but let me address that one. I don't think it will ever be as fully regulated as it could be. For instance, project management. 
I had to pass nine to 12 different bodies of knowledge at a certain percentage. And this was after I studied and then I needed to apply project management. You know, that's highly regulated. You go through, let's say, accounting and you want to be a tax accountant. So you get your graduation past you and then you have to go sit through a bunch of tests that tell you that you, okay, now you can practice as a CPA. I don't think it will get that regulated because look at the world of training. I think they run parallel tracks and I think training is ubiquitous. Anybody can train another person on something. And so I think coaching has become more of that than one of these highly regulated industries. Now, it could in the in the future, but I don't foresee it in the near future at all. And I, I really don't know. And I've done a lot of research. I've actually been hired by a corporation to answer that same question. And the research back when I did that in 2005 was the same as what I'm telling you today. I think I think it won't be highly regulated. It feels to me like if it became highly regulated, it would take kind of some of the the positive aspects of coaching, like the individual aspects mm-hmm. of different coaches and their different talents and different skills away. It, a it could, bit. it could. It, and then that way it might actually start to look more like therapist right, and what they right. have to go through. Like do exactly this thing to mm-hmm. get exactly here, mm-hmm. but then how much of your individuality and creativity is right. crushing out of you along the way. Right. And so that's why I compare it to training. It's yeah, yeah. like, okay, so you could be coached on reinvention like I do. You could be coached on your executive skills. Oh, you could just be coached on life in general. Mm-hmm. You could be coached to be a better athlete. There's all sorts of individualized tracks for coaching and there are for training, but I don't think there are that many tracks for say therapy. Right. Then Lauren, Lauren Katz, I don't know if you know Lauren at all. She just was really excited. She says, she, you're the best. And your oh, only question is, yeah. how do you do it all? That's her how only How do I qu- do it all? I don't. I don't do it all. <laughs> uh, Are you good my, at delegating? In my opinion. So I am. Well, that's why I have a staff. So I'm really good at the coaching. I'm good at the speaking. I'm good at the writing. I'm good at inspiring and motivating. I'm not so great at keeping my books. I'm not even as good as Shannon is at doing my schedule. Don't ask me to do what Jessica does in keeping our website and our social media sites up, uh, designing some of our prezies and our marketing materials. That's just not my jam. So I did have to find if I wanted to grow, I needed to have other people doing things that I'm not good at. Plus, I also needed to make decisions. At one point, you know, I was getting so many people wanting me to be their coach trainer because I had I've done a lot of that. And I have owned coach training schools before, two in particular. And I had to make a choice. If you're going to get really good at something, then you have to start slicing things off. And I have a limit. I have a limit of the three main things I can have going in my life. And coaching is one of those. So after that, it's like, boy, uh, uncle, I don't want to spread myself too thin. I mean, I really do. I have my family and my relationships. I have a sport that I'm learning. I'm reinventing myself in, and I have my work, and um, and you know then I have my my role to myself, uh, self care and wellness and that sort of thing. And then I have to kind of draw a line as to anything new coming on my plate. So the podcast that I did for a while that had to drop after Judith passed away because that was just one too many things. How do you know what to drop though? That's the biggest question. Oh, like even so for hard. me, right? Like I enjoy doing so much, mm-hmm. but I know I probably shouldn't be doing it all. Right. 
because it, you know, you can make a millimeter of progress in a million different directions, or you can make a mile of progress in one really strong direction. So sometimes you just have to look at the season of your life. You know, the season I'm in right now, I really want to work on my voice quality. I want to work on my ability to speak because I know that's going to be such an important part of my future, especially when this next book comes out. Right now, I need to work on writing. It's like landing planes. You know, which one can I put fuel in and let it circle the airport for a while and land it when there's time? And then other things you just have to put in a dream jar or, you know, the journal page for me Hmm. and just say, you know, it's not, it's a not yet. Maybe, yeah. But it doesn't mean never. But it does not mean never. And sometimes it's a matter of looking at your core values, the season of your life, Sometimes it's a head, heart, and gut thing, like yeah. I, I gave in my TEDx talk. Sometimes you just have to get to that inner plumb line to know what those priorities are. Speaking of that TEDx talk, is I loved it, by oh, the way. thank you. Really cool. So and good. I was actually there at that, yeah. at that TEDx, but I obviously didn't really we know, didn't of know of each you. other. We didn't yes. know of each other. Uh, and I'll put that link for that as well. Oh, thank on, you. At IamSaltLake.com uh, with this episode. That's the only TED talk. Uh, there's only one, right? D- TEDx talk, okay. Salt Lake City. That's it. Do you want to do more of those? I would love to. Yeah. If some, another TEDx or TED ever called up, I'd say, <laughs> sure. What's up, Ted? What's you up? know, and it's a different format. Yeah. It's not like a yeah. keynote. You stand on that red dot. You have 11 minutes. You have eight minutes. You have what you have to make that single point. And it's a whole new discipline. It's like doing a pachacacha or yeah. pichacucha, yeah. however you pronounce that. And I've done one of those, a 20 by 20, you know, 20 seconds, 20 slides. Yeah, is that the, yeah, okay. That's yes. what that is. Yeah, yeah. I had to do that one time. I've always wanted yes. to do it one was, of those too. It yeah. was, it's really hard. It's, yeah. It's fun. It's hard. It makes you really focus. So sure. Mm-hmm. Any, you know, it's a, it's a game to me. It's a chess game. It's kind of like a improv almost. Don't they kind of coach you a little bit too with the whole TED oh, Talks? Oh, you know what? Salt Lake TEDx, we have a premier team. They give that you a that, ton yeah. of support, coaching, mentoring. They know what they're doing by this month, by this week. You need to be this far along. It's a great support group. That's so awesome. What do you feel or how do you feel about New Year's resolutions? I know uh, before mm-hmm. we started recording, I mentioned, hey, this is going to be the first mm-hmm. episode of the mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on when people are listening to this, even if they're listening February, March, I mean, I think it's a brand new year. I like to I like to make resolutions. Yeah. What are your thoughts on them? Well, I'm sort of anti-resolution, but I'll, let me support that because I'm not, I'm not a resolution Nazi. I'm not going to put anybody down yeah. if they do resolutions. I will say this. The science shows that a new year a beginning of a new month, uh, beginning of a new year in your life at your birthday. But a new year in particular is an excellent time to start something. So if you want to start strong, that is a good thing to take into account, especially 2020 with it's change. Awesome, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Change of this whole decade. There's significance in the numerology of it. And so I would suggest that if you want to sustain the resolution sort of whatever it is you're wanting more of or less of in your life to choose a theme and then to stretch that over the 12 months working quarter by quarter and check yourself you know maybe have I like to put an icon in my office that reminds me of that theme I like to talk to my team each week are we living this theme and that seems to give me this long overarching growth arc instead of a resolution, because sometimes resolutions are packed with emotion and strong intention, but we haven't done what we need to, except stand at the starting line. It's like starting a marathon and you haven't trained for it. 
So that's what resolutions tend to do to us is, okay, I've got this new year. I can feel the energy. Of course, I'm going to be able to sustain it. And we don't because we haven't put the structure. We haven't broken it down. We haven't actually analyzed the how behind the what. Sometimes we don't even know our why behind the what. And so I'm a great proponent of having a theme. Like, like give me an yeah. example of what some of your themes are. Like, are you talking like a theme like courage, integrity, oh, yeah, like yeah, one yeah. word themes or something? Or yeah, last year it was free up and and um, free up your focus. Okay, you know, so that I don't get too many things on my plate because I'm one of those people. Twenty five percent of the population, like me, do you ever watch or see the Peanuts cartoon? You know, with Pigpen has this cloud following oh, them. Of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, twenty five percent of us have these ideas and thoughts and all this energy about what we want to do. Yeah, and, that's and it follows us wherever we go. And so um, I needed to free up and focus my forces. And that was my theme. Uh, another year, it was just happiness. And I put a, a happy Buddha, a laughing Buddha on my stairway. And I'd pat his head every day and laugh and have more happiness in my life. Uh, so it kind of depends. Uh, the year before 2019, it was to see capacity, to see people and to really see capacity. What's inside there? What are they able to do? And not try to fix people, not try to help people. It was really good for my personal relationships. It was really good for my coaching to see their capacity and then hold them accountable for that. So it's usually something in my world that I want more of. And that's what I do. And then I'll have goals and I'll have projects. But I also break those down like, you know, next year we'll publish the book. And we started on it this year. And we break that as a project. What are we doing this month? What are we doing this quarter? So that we have more likely uh, ability to to meet the, the end in mind goal. Um, so uh, does that answer your question? It, more or less. I just thought, you know, it'd be good to give some ideas even for listeners, right? So they can, because yeah. a lot of people get kind of stuck on that kind of thing, right? They're like, yeah. well, it's a good idea, but I don't know what to do. Yeah, so so here, forget about it. Here's some questions. What do you need more of? What do you need less of? And how come? What's your intention for the year? And what kind of impact will that intention have? How will you know if you made an impact? What are those desired outcomes? Look at those and see if any of those give you themes. And you you and Judith actually had a really good conversation about exactly this. We did. In, in one of your intention episodes. Intention versus impact. We did. Yeah. yeah. It was, I, I suggest anyone go look up um, what's conversational your, intelligence. What's your conversational intelligence? Yes. Yeah. Such a good podcast. You guys, oh, like, thank you. You cover so many of the topics that we're talking about right now mm-hmm. in great detail. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really good. So... Everyone go check it out. That's that's my pitch. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We all have those moments where we don't feel motivated. Like yes. you, I'm sure you wake up some days and yes. you're just like, you know what? Forget forget it. I'm done. I'm just I'm burnt out. <laughs> what do you do? I mean, cuz you got to uh, you got to keep going, right? I mean, or do well, you just stay in bed that day? No, I don't usually stay in bed. So, a good thing to read is Burnout by Nagowski and Nagowski. They've really broken the science of burnout down to help you avoid that. Uh, For me, I, well, I worked really, I worked my butt off last weekend at a fencing tournament. I had four events in four days. Uh, I did one on Friday, which really super challenged me, took Saturday off, did one on Sunday, then did two on Monday. And my trainer and I discussed it and decided we're taking the week off. And I don't know what we're going to do next week because it depends upon how much recovery I did. But we really do need to recover and you, I also go see Dr. Cameron, Todd Cameron, and I check out my energy levels. You know, he, he actually pulled me aside and said, you're willing yourself to do more than your body and your hormones are able to do right now. As a postmenopausal woman, I feel like 
you know, we all reach a point where we may not be aware that we're, we're willing ourselves into something. And what happens is we burn out, we break down, we fall apart. And that's just life. Yeah. And I've been in funks too. And I've, I've had fewer funks as I've started to take care of myself and be aware of these, these things. But when I'm in a funk, I give myself a lot of leeway. What do you think of, and I'm going to, I'm going to go out here. I'm probably going to get a lot of, a lot of hate mail for this one. Oh no. What do you think of people like Gary V? this hustle, 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 sleep when you're dead, you know, and just get out there and I think and the quality work. of your life goes down. And, and, mm-hmm. and see, I got wrapped up in that. Yeah, well, I we got can't wrapped up we, and, and yeah. I started hating my life. Yeah, mm-hmm. because, you know, you're on an adrenaline rush and it's like, where's the purpose? Where's the meaning? Are you a human doing? Yeah. Are you mm-hmm. a human being? Well, it's like it's about the journey, right? If you can't enjoy the things that you're doing while you're doing them, what's the point? Like if you can't take a break and sit back and say, I'm so glad I did that. And now I'm just going to have some time for myself. Or or that was really hard. It sucked. I'm going to step away from it now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think if you're uh, one of those people who's always go, 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 your adrenal glands are going to burn out. And at some point you'll crash. Yeah. And so it's great. I mean, you can be addicted to that dopamine. Who doesn't like to feel that? wonderful high, you know, yeah, but if you have it all the time, it's not that great anymore. You I know? I would agree with you. And that's just me. And, and, you know, that fits people. If that fits people, I've been one of those people like you, Chris, you know, yeah. I go, 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 get it, get it, get like, it, get up at 4am, you yeah, know, and, and harder. even though you only slept for 20 minutes, <laughs> you know, the truth of it is we need more rest. We yeah. need more sleep. We are not sharp. All you have to do is look at what peak performers are doing in the athletic world and you will find they sleep. You know, the, I had to learn this the hard way in mountain biking when I took up mountain biking. Drink before you're thirsty, eat before you're hungry, rest before you're tired. And I did not, and I had to walk my bike 12 feet, sit down and rest. My body gave out one day after doing a mountain bike ride. Oh, wow. And it was like, I didn't realize that your body would shut down if you just push, push, push all the time. And it was a great lesson for me. Something will give eventually. If it's not a relationship, it's going to be your body, your health, something. Well, and as I get older too, I'm noticing I don't got the spunk like I did 20 years ago. And, you know, your immune systems and- You're not invincible anymore. Yeah, that immune system gets stripped out pretty easily. I've Mm -hmm. had to learn a lot. And I've also had to learn to not beat myself up. Like, oh, if you only get to the gym, you know, three times last week, don't beat yourself up. At least be proud that you went three times. Only three. It's like, hell, you went three times? (laughs) I think I went three times last year. But you know what I mean? Like, I I think we tend to beat ourselves up before we we should pat ourselves on the back. We become Mm -hmm. far more critical of ourselves when it's not self-serving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing that I think that I'd like to agree with you guys on. I know it's really silly, but like, that's so important to me that people know that it's okay to be Mm -hmm. human. It's Mm -hmm. okay to like, if you make a list of 10 goals and you make, you meet one of the goals, at least you met one goal. Like, you know, I think we all need to give ourselves a little bit more leeway and a little bit more like self-compassion. Are you talking to me, Chris? Maybe. Because you know, I was that type where, where I, I wouldn't write Hint. goals because to me it was like, well, if I write a goal, then if I don't make it, then I'm a failure. Yeah. You know, that's how I, that's yeah, how I Yeah. We get it. really judgmental and you know, all that does is put us in the limbic brain. Yeah. We're in the, the, you know, the reptilian brain. We're not that intelligent and we're just driven with willpower or judgment. Yeah. Which you know, that's not the highest level of thinking. 
let's uh, let's switch gears. Salt Lake City. We have a few Salt Lake City yeah, questions. Yeah, let's ask some questions. I, I ask them every podcast, Lynn. So I, this is going to be fun to ask you, especially since you've been in the area for a while. You know, yeah. And we have family and friends that visit out of staters. You know, they're mm-hmm. coming from California, or New York, wherever they're coming from. You got to give them a tour, right? You got to show them yeah. around. Or, what do you where, do what, them? what do you do with them? Like, give me a couple well, ideas of what you weekend, might do. Well, this weekend, definitely, I would take them hiking, which is one thing that I've already done this weekend, and probably go out again tomorrow. I take them hiking. Uh, a lot do, of great. Do you hikes. have a trail that you like? Well, more than for others? me personally, um, I like to use Beacon Hill. Okay, because it's two miles at two thousand feet elevation gain. I don't usually take people with me on that one, unless you know it's my son or somebody who's ready to roll up that hill as fast as we can. Jack's Mountain is a fun little uh, rise. Uh, one of our favorites with, with people is Dog Lake in the summer, um, or let's go up Rattlesnake Gulch right now and go along the pipeline and look out over Skyline High. So that's a good hike. This uh, very weekend, I would take them to the Salt Palace, and I would let them see that we have the World Cup for Saberus. So we have a fancied event going on this weekend oh, wow. where the world's best of bests are here in Salt Lake competing in Saber, women's Saber. Um, in the summer, I would take them to the Arts Festival. Oh, of course. Yeah. If it's during a film festival, we have some fantastic film festivals from Dan These Hills to Tumbleweeds to the Sundance Film Festival. Uh, you know, uh, there's just so much to do in Salt Lake. And of course, we need to go to good food. Mm-hmm. Good drink, so much craft beer to to be drunk. You know, we, isn't it amazing the the distilleries, the breweries yes. that are coming out of Salt? We just have a brand it's new one really just cool. opened up. Uh, I think yesterday starts with a B Brewers, or I can't remember. Hmm. Uh, they're just popping up all over. It's great. Yeah. Well, what are some of your favorite local eating spots? We asked that one too. Mm, well, we take people a lot to Tap House. Okay, ninth and ninth. We we love. Uh, you know, I like to have my fix, and that fix is the uh, sloppy lamb. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll think of that. Yeah. A try. And they have some good local beers there. They also import some nice ciders. Uh, it depends upon what we're hungry for. Like if we're, we, we, we're jonesing for, say, a burger, there's Pago, there's Copper Onion, uh, someplace where you can also get a good beer. Uh, if we want pasta, there's Stanza. We love going to Proper. Proper on Stratford is a fun place to meet people. Mm-hmm. So, I could go on and on and on. Yeah. No, we just of, have, of course. We have There's, like 20 places we rotate through. The foodie scene in Salt Lake City is ridiculous. It I, is you know, awesome. We're, so we're, we're very uh, blessed, yes. I guess you would say. <laughs> you know, and I'll tell you, I'll Hashtag tell you, one blessed. of my favorite things is uh, Brigham Rum. Okay. Ooh, yeah, yeah. That's good yeah, stuff. Right? Right? Distillery 36. Oh, they yeah. do a great job. Yeah. yeah. Shout out for that. Yeah. No, we love those guys. We, we, we love them. They, they do some really cool stuff. What would you change about Salt Lake City? I'm, I'm just curious. Well, what, what would you know, Lynn say? I'm, I'm kind of like Jamaica, uh, who you just recently yeah. had on. I really think it's sad that we have such poor air quality in Salt Lake. I know we're, we're in a bowl and, yeah. you know, a valley where we can catch the inversion. But it's ridiculous that we have such poor quality. I have neighbors, um, a neighbor who has a, a small child that's been in the hospital twice with upper respiratory problems. Oh, wow. And, you know, and he wasn't born here. And this was just a shock to his system. So I feel like we're not where we could be as far as air quality. I mean, when we get close to Beijing in terms of where our air quality is, it's like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Maybe we need to reevaluate well, what, some things. What, what would we do, though? That's yeah. what I don't understand. I mean, the only 
thought I have is like maybe free public transportation. Well, public transportation, but I think we have some new things that can ameliorate the air better than what we're doing. And I think we need to, I think we need to keep working on it. Honestly, we need to keep studying and working on it uh, because it is problematic. Well, they said, though, the number one health crisis in Utah is porn, though. So that's... I'm it's, just, it's, so obviously... It's, it's porn. It's, it, it, that's, that's what the governor we, that's Here's the, the thing. Here's said. the thing. In Utah, they, can, they really can make a, a strong change quickly when they want to. Yeah. Well, yeah, on if, Capitol it, Hill. And, it, yes. and it's just getting them to prioritize things the same way that a lot of us need it, you know? If it's, a, you know, I would say let's look away from what we think are moral issues and look toward what is actually a go- global issue. Right. You know, clean water, clean air for everyone. Mm-hmm. Let's let's look at that. Start with the basics. I love it. Yeah. Right? I love yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Before um, we completely wrap up the episode today, Lynn, yeah. I, I know we've just skimmed the surface it's, and, and it, what you're doing, what you got going on. I'd love to bring you back through here. Absolutely. Well, I'll come back anytime we um, need to. Is Careful, there any, we is might there, ask you. Is there anything, though, that you were really hoping that we would talk about or something? I mean, I like to open up the microphone a mm. little bit before we cut it out. If there's if there's anything you were like, I want to mention. I know you, you've written some books. I don't know. How many books have you even written? Well, this will be my second. I have written books for Franklin Covey. I okay. was, I was a, a writer and developer, and my name will not be on those books okay. uh, because um, I was basically a ghost writer for them. So I have a second book coming out this year. What would I want to talk about? I think we'll go back to the reinvention. You know, I'm 60, and just a couple of years ago, I started fencing. And I started fencing because I had been just a kind of a as a as a mother of yeah. three active children. I would go out and jog, or I'd do some mountain biking, and I'd kind of left athletics behind. It's something that I was passionate about, but I'd I just play street ball or church ball or whatever I could pick up, and. I got challenged to to join uh, an elite gym here, and the gym scene here. I'm talking from Jim Jones to the sect to John McCain's combat arts at um, Church and State. We have elite athletes here in in the valley, uh, especially the the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu world. Anyway, I I would say this reinvention thing that I'm doing with other people, I'm doing myself, and now I'm reinventing at age sixty to become competitive as an athlete in fencing, which is different than I used to be in Xterra. Uh, I would do the triathlons and I did Spartan races. So it takes a fine, you know, it's like adding ballet to this ferociousness (laughs) in fighting with a a blade, right? (laughs) And um, I would simply say that you're never too old to try something new. I think it was a 70-year-old man that went to Mongolia and won this uh, race that was hundreds of miles on Mustangs, and you had to have a, a whole stable of Mustangs with you. You're never too old to do that. And uh, somebody was just telling me that their mother or grandmother was retiring at age 82. And I just have a lot of hope that if you're 20 and you're listening to this and you think your life is over because you haven't <laughs> done this or that, get perspective. Life opens up at age 40 in my book. And from there on, it just keeps getting better because if you stay in a mindset of growth and what's possible, the world keeps opening up new opportunity. Very cool. And speaking of fencing, actually, I wanted to mention you were on a podcast with Lynn Shelley, uh, yeah, a I military was. podcast. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it yeah. was a great interview, by the way. So 
people should go listen to that too. Yeah, they know? should. Yeah, she, you did two episodes with her. She I came over to, yeah. and uh, did one free fencing on Saturday mornings yeah. in Kaysville at Wasatch Fencing Academy, uh, wasatchfencing.org. We have open fencing from 8 to 10 for adults. So if you've wanted to fence and you don't know how to do it, come and learn. Hey, that's, Chrissy. I, uh, it's that's actually very interesting. It is. It's a, yeah. it's such an interesting sport. And I had no idea there's somewhere you, you could just go and be like, hey, can I just learn to yeah. fence for a little bit? We have all the equipment. <laughs> that's uh, awesome. Get you suited up, put a huh. sword in your hand, and let you whack at somebody. Wow, <laughs> wow that sounds really fun. Let's go do that. Hey, we <laughs> we go. hit people with swords. <laughs> it seems like it would be a good form of exercise. It's an excellent form. Oh, my goodness. It is a really tough sport. It like it has a steep learning curve because you are trying to defend yourself with a blade and someone else is trying to hit you with a blade and it is a it what used to be a blood sport. And so there is that element of something very fast coming at you that could hurt you. At the same time, you need to be as nimble as a ballerina to avoid it and to, you <laughs> it's know, very proper. It is very proper. It. There's, a, there's a lot of protocol around it. And, yeah. you know, we wear all white and we salute uh, before we fence. We have our mask up so you can see our face. And then we put our mask down and we go into this proper stance. And you are told when you can begin to fight. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It is hard work, though. I mean, you sweat. You have yeah. sometimes four layers of clothing on, and you're <laughs> oh, wow. moving fast. Yeah, a lot of discipline. Mm-hmm. Wow. How can uh, listeners get a hold of you, Lynn? Great. Best way, websites, social yeah, media? Yeah, soulsalt.com, what? the company name, soulsalt.com. You can find us there. I am on Instagram, either as Lynn Christian, L-Y-N, one N, Christian, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, Soul Salt has an Instagram. We also have Facebook pages. Every Tuesday, we do a Facebook Live. You can watch it uh, regenerate itself. And, you right know, on the Soul Salt one? Right on the Soul yeah. Salt Facebook. Uh, Nine o'clock Tuesday mornings is typically when uh, we will do that. So that's the best way. Very cool. Awesome. Very cool. Chrissy has a final question that she asks everybody on the show, Lynn. I'm going to let her ask that. And it's been it's been an honor to have you here in our My studio pleasure. and chat with you. So yeah, It really has. So I'm wondering, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of life advice or a motto that you live by, what would it be? Yeah. So um, I believe that we all need to define what success is for ourselves. And finding that can be a journey. When I finally found it, it was when I was in a dark moment and I knew what I needed the most and what I was lacking the most around me. And that was I needed more people with open hearts and uh, open minds. And so my motto is at the end of my life, I'm going to see how soft my heart is still and how open my mind has remained. And so I would suggest to people to find a definition of success. If my heart can stay soft and my mind opened. I believe I will be successful at the end of my life. And so that's my encouragement. Define success and then do it on your own and see if you, if you live up to it. I love it. And it's okay for us to all have different versions of success. Oh, please do. Yeah. Let's all have I different versions. No, let's all be the same. Let's all be the same. <laughs> thank you again, Lynn. Thank it's you. Been, thank you. My enjoy pleasure. Chat, chat with you here. So thank you. Many thanks again to Lynn Christian for joining us on this episode of the podcast. All the links that we mentioned in this conversation can be found with this episode show notes on our website, which can be found at IamSaltLake.com slash 415. That's for episode 415. So usually we do weekly recommendations. 
I know a lot of longtime listeners. You've been following along. You've been writing it in your little sketchbook, Who, what our weekly recommendations are. We decided to kind of narrow it down just a little bit. And actually, instead of just doing weekly recommendations, let's do Salt Lake City recommendations. I think this fits the show a little bit better. Well, it's such a great idea because it's something you can go do. You have an actionable thing you can do after listening to this episode. Because today... We took our two oldest, well, not, I guess not the two oldest, the, the 11-year-old and the 15-year-old down to the urban flea market. Well, I'll let you tell. What's your, what's, oh, yeah. what's your rec- recommendation, <laughs> That's Chrissy? my recommendation. So I want to recommend the urban flea market, which is where we took two of our girls today. They have been working on creating a, a slime and bullet journal business, and they've been really excited to to show up at local markets. And so we went and set up and... They were just so excited, and I love the energy and all the cool crafts and just the creative things that happen in Salt Lake City. They're always at the Urban Flea Market. So it's the second Sunday of every month, and you can visit their website at fleamarketslc.com and check out all their stuff. And I love that they're doing it during the winter time as well. It used to be just a summertime thing, as far as I remember, and now they're doing it down at the Gateway in, indoors. Hopefully, if they sell some slime today, hey, I don't get the slime thing either, you guys. I don't get it. It's, I totally get it, though. But if you do, and hey, what more power to you? Go down, check it out. And in my recommendation for something to do in Salt Lake City, I know I've talked about this. I know we've had comedians on the show, but Wise Guys Comedy Club, they don't get enough love. I mean, they don't, they, they're not sponsoring the show either, but they're just a great place to go. While you're down there at the Gateway, while you're down there at the Urban Flea Market, head on over to a Wise Guys, catch a comedy show and, and grab a drink or something, right? Yeah, it's so fun. They always have great comedians there. And that's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget to show your support for this podcast by supporting our show sponsors and partners, which you can find at IamSaltLake.com. Hey, and if you want to be a little more badass than the rest, might you consider supporting this very podcast by becoming a Patreon supporter? It's really easy to do and it helps out with the show. You can find all that information at patreon.com slash I am Salt Lake and you can become a supporter for as little as a dollar. You can also easily support the podcast by sharing your favorite episodes with your family and friends on social media. Find all your favorite previous episodes right on our website, which you can always find at IamSaltLake.com. All right, you guys have a great week. Always remember to support local whenever possible. Spend time with those you love, and we're going to see you next week on the next episode. And good night, Grammy. Grammy.